We'll jump right into this. So why don't you open up your Bibles with me to Galatians chapter 2. And uh, if you're taking notes, which I hope you are, because now we, we've literally given you no excuses. We've given you pens. We've given you paper. Next, I mean, we might even try to write it for you. <laughs> so um, I just encourage you to write some of these Bible verses down because sometimes we just, we get moving and we get grooving and we just, 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 just don't even take some time to let you do something. But so write these down. Because I think throughout the week, if you reflect on what God has been saying in your hearts, that I really believe that God's going to show you something deeper than what's just talked about here on Sunday. And that's how we started small groups, so that you could dig in even deeper than what we just talked about here. So Galatians 2.20, and then also flip back a little bit and stick your finger in Mark chapter 8. <coughs> and uh, I'm excited because we've been in this series uh, called Be uh, uh, Better With You, and uh, I, if you haven't watched last week's, and here's the thing, I'm, I'm the most, like, I don't like talking about, like, things that we've done or, you know, good sermons, or, but, but, man, God really moved, and I know how he moved because it was, like, it was really good, and I know that I'm not good enough to do what happened on Sunday, and so, like, so, like, I definitely was just, like, man, God really showed up, so definitely, if you want to take a moment this week, you got some long drives and you didn't make it, go listen to last week's message on the Good Samaritan, uh, and, and I promise you, that will wake something up inside of you because what we just prayed, that prayer we just prayed, now you're going to have opportunities to be a Samaritan and help somebody get back up. And so I'm not going to jump into that, so you definitely want to go take a look at that. But if you have your Bibles, open up to Galatians, and we'll put it up on the screen, and it reads this. And, and I just want to kind of give you just a little another prerequisite. Like this right here, this is a hard scripture to, to digest, okay? This is, this, this is something that we read on a regular basis and just pray that God gives us enough grace to try to achieve this, okay? It says this in Galatians 2.20. It says, I have been crucified with Christ. It's I who no longer live, but Christ who lives in me. In the life I now live, in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself to me. That's, that's the gospel right there. You, you want to know how to live a life of the gospel? It's right here. It's understanding that now because you're a follower of Christ, it's no longer you who live, but it's the Christ that lives inside of you. And you could do this now. Why? Because he loved me enough to give himself for me. I, I, I think if, if you don't say amen the rest of your life, you, you could say amen to that statement right there. That, it's, that, that he, God, gave his life for me. Why? Because he loved me. Amen. <laughs> It's okay. We'll try it one more time. It's, it's, it's because he loved you that he gave himself for you. Amen. There we go. There we go. See, we're learning. But see, here's the thing. That statement is really hard to think, right? That it's, that it's I who no longer live but the Christ who lives in me. So it says I've, I, 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 I've been crucified with Christ. It means your selfless desires in life. Let's, we're going to, today, man, last week it was like, whoo, encouraging. Let's go out and change the world. Today it's going to be self-reflect time. You'd be looking at yourself and say, okay, is there some of me in this text and in what we're talking about that God wants to deal with? Because here's the thing. God really wants to do what we just prayed, usher in a move of God. But what we're going to talk about today could hinder this in your life today. This, what we're about to talk about today could literally dry up some things in your life if you, if you have this in your heart. We go on in Mark chapter 8. You can flip back over. Mark chapter 8. In verse 34 through 38, and it says this, put it up on the screen. 
Then he called the crowd. This is Jesus, and he's, he's doing what he does best. This is a teachable moment. So he calls the crowd around him, and, and, and he calls his disciples too, because this is a topic that, that and this, this is for you too, that no matter what stage of life you think you're in, whether you're a new believer or a seasoned believer, no matter where you're at, this right here is a teachable moment for everybody. And you, you kind of get this when you ever see Jesus not only call the crowd, but he calls his disciples together. Because he's like, hey, guess what? This isn't just for the people who don't know me. This is for everybody. So, hey, disciples, you come in here too. He says this, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves, take up their cross, and follow me. Whoever wants to save their life will lose it. But whoever loses their life for me and for the gospel will save it. What good is it for someone to gain the whole world and forfeit their soul? Or what can anyone give in exchange for their soul? Is that it? Looks like that's it. And so that, that right there is just such a, uh, a powerful statement, right? Because it's, you, you think about this. That we we as, as human beings, we put so much weight on material things, right? Let's just be real. We can be honest with ourselves, right? We put very weight on, on our cars and our things and, and our jobs. We take very like, very, like, just think about it. When you meet somebody new, right, what's one of the first topics that ever gets talked about? What do you do for a living, Right? Why? Because that's what we value in our lives, what, what we do, how many kids we have, all these things. We value all these things. And I'm not, listen, I'm not here to say, give up on your job, trust me, don't do that, and give up on, these things are valuable. But, but what God's trying to tell us today is, is there's an order to this. There, there's an ability to, to get things skewed, to get things flipped, to get things out of proportion, where, where this, this topic that we're going to talk about today has a real good chance of slipping right into your life. And, and here's the thing, it's almost like a silent killer. It sneaks in without you ever knowing, and then it gains root, and before long, you don't even know it's there. You don't even know that it's there in your life. But God says this, that it's a daily walk of what? Picking up your cross and following him. Daily. Daily. You think it's ever going to get easier in your life? Sometimes, I mean, I'm, I'm going to be real, sometimes it doesn't get easier, it gets harder. Sometimes that morning of picking up that cross feels a little bit heavier than most days. Sometimes walking out what God wants you to do in your life looks a little bit harder than it did the day before. But guess what? God wants you to persevere and press through those times. To say, you know what? What you did on that cross is worth me picking it up and carrying it today. But it's not, it doesn't make for really good tattoos and it makes really cool chains, but it makes a really good lifestyle when you pick it up and carry it with you. And it makes some really cool opportunities to see some really cool things in your life. So let's pray. Father, we come to you right now, Lord, and we thank you for these next few moments, Lord, that you'll just speak to our hearts, Lord. I pray that you take over this service, Lord, take over our hearts, and take over the rest of this, this, this week, Father. I pray that every day we live is a day that's closer and closer to you, Lord. Father, we love you and we thank you. In your name we pray. Everybody says? Amen, amen. amen. There's a statement that I've always, I've always loved, and, and I've never really grasped it till just recently, but I I've always wanted this statement to be used, you know, at me, because this statement kind of makes it sound like you're really good at something, right? And the statement is, is, is there's no I in team, okay? And, and here's the thing. All my life, all I've wanted somebody to say was, hey, Derek, there's no I in team. Pass the ball, okay? But, like, I've been that short, pudgy white kid, the short one that's not good at, like, any sports, but I'm, like, I'm somewhat okay. So I've always been the one that says, like, Jay, like, I play basketball with him all my life. I'm like, Jay, there's no I in team. Pass me the ball, right? <laughs> I've always been the one using that phrase. I've never actually been the one that says, hey, you're really good at this, but there's no I in team, right? <laughs> so I've never been good enough to be called the one I, uh, but I've always been the one using it. And, and, and here's the thing. That's okay. 
I'm okay. I'm, I'm almost about to turn 30. It's, you know, I, and then 40's right around the corner, and then 50 and 60, and it's, 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 it's the snowball effect is what I hear. And so <laughs> everybody says amen. And so what I've realized is maybe there'll never be a day in my life where someone looks at me and says, Derek, you should pass the ball. There's no I in team. But, but, but there is a gratifying moment in my life that I experienced yesterday, and that's my son is now that player who is so good. People are looking at him like, hey. There's no I in the YMCA basketball league for preschools. You pass the ball, okay? And so I got suckered in. We, 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 we put our kid in the YMCA league, and I got suckered into it. I looked at him and I said, I am not coaching. I don't have time for coaching. I'm, I'm the, I'm the uh, character FCA coach for the boys' varsity basketball team, Lake Mary and JR, uh, JV team. And I'm like, I don't have time to do anything else, Okay. And, I, and we go into the first game, and we're looking at the opponents, and the opponents got like six coaches on their bench. And I look over at ours, and we have just the lady that signed up because her kids are playing. And I'm like, oh, this is unacceptable. <laughs> Coach, sign me up. I'll be the assistant. And so I signed up to be the assistant, and we hadn't practiced but one game, okay? And uh, they're preschoolers. And so it's like, hey, basketball. Oh, mommy. Hey, Capri Suns. Oranges. Like, it's just complete chaos, okay? Just being real, okay? It's, but it's a lot of fun. And so... Uh, Brody, Brody starts his first game, and, and, and I didn't know what to expect. I didn't know the levels of all these kids. And, and, and literally, the ball gets passed in, and each time the kids get the ball, it's I and team. It's, 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 it's me. I run down the court. I don't even dribble. I look at that basketball hoop, and I just throw it up as high as I can, right? And then it's just a complete rotation. The first person that grabs the ball runs down the court, and they throw it up. And then he grabs the ball and just runs down. And it's literally turned into a bunch of eyes playing basketball. <laughs> The coach looks at me at halftime and is like, anything you want to say? I'm like, team, there's a thing called passing the ball in defense. You should try to play one of the two, right? And I'm, I'm looking at this. I'm like, son, like, this is stuff you have to do. You got to start passing the ball. The second quarter comes. Man grabs the ball, runs down the court, and shoots the basket. I put it on Facebook. Cutest thing in the world. First point. Turn around, fade. Swish. And I'm like, yeah. Oh, good job, other team. Yeah. And like running down the court with my shirt over my head. Woo. Like, I'm that dad. <laughs> If I make it through the whole season, don't get kicked out, we'll be good. But I, I watched this, and I watched how each one of them started to play this game. And, and the thing that just shocked me, right, because I remember in practice, they were practicing passing the ball, okay? The minute the game started, it was like all that went out the window, and it was only me playing these other four kids. And I literally watched this affect every single player. Every single one of them, it was almost like an infection just started to spread through everybody. And nobody was playing team basketball. It was playing me one-on-four the entire time. And I, and I started to look at that thought watching this game, and I thought to myself, you know, there's some things in our spiritual walk that tend to happen like that. Like that, that there's something that kicks into our spirit without us even knowing. There's things that, that we put our focus on that kind of just slip in. And I'm telling you, sometimes these things slip in through good things. Sometimes these things slip in through being a really good steward at church. Sometimes these people, these things slip in when you're really good at what you do. And these things just slip in and you don't even know they're there. And then by you actually doing and living, they seem to just infect everybody that's around them. See, I thought about this. Like, have you ever heard this statement um, that, that when a kid gets sick, it seems to just infect anybody? It's like, oh, I, I caught the new bug. I caught what was going around. Have you ever heard anybody walk into some place with a bunch of healthy people and say, hey, I caught my healing. Like, I caught health. I just, I caught my health. No, it's always I caught my sickness. Right? I caught that bug. And see, that's the thing about 
attacks from the enemy. It's like he just throws in something to kind of affect, knowing that if you get around it long enough, you can catch the sickness. But see, it's not easy to catch your healing. Your healing requires you to what? Do something. Make some decisions. To pick up something and to carry it. To do what God is asking you to do. You can't just go home and, and maybe you could try it, because if you try it, you can come back and tell us it worked. But you can't just like hold the Bible and say, okay, it's all in there now, right? I, I caught the Bible, right? I caught the word. The gospel's inside of me now, right? Like if I, if I put it in my back pocket or I sleep on it, does it, does it make me, like through osmosis, do I, do, I get what's, do I get what's inside of it? No, it requires you to what? Open it up. But there's things that the enemy wants to attack you with and put in your life that literally don't require you to do anything but be around it. To be around it without your guard open. To literally just be just open to whatever's going on around you. And I'm telling you, what I want to talk about today can slip in and plant itself at a young age, and you won't even see the fruits of it till much later in your life. And I know you're like, what is it? I'm so, I'm so anxious. The topic I want to talk about today is pride. Pride. Put up on the screen with the definition of what the pride is. It's a feeling or a deep pleasure or satisfaction derived from one's own achievements. Take, take, take just a moment and let that sink in. It's a deep pleasure. It's something that got in at a young age. It's something that got in that first time in high school. Somebody validated you when nobody else validated you. It's something that sleeped in, sneaked in when you were really good at something in a team sport and you got pats on your backs and everybody was like, yeah, you're so good. You're the MVP. And then that snowballed to get to this point in your life where if everything in my life doesn't elevate me, then we've got issues. There's no I in team. There's me, me. There is a me in team. I found that out. <laughs> and see, that's what happens is, is you, you get so caught up on these deep pleasures of your own achievements that you could walk through life taking credit for everything God's done. That you could walk through life taking credit for, for moves of God. And see, here's the thing. This is what I've started to learn. I, I'm 29 years old, but I've learned a whole lot in this last year. What I've learned in my life, that if, 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 if you try to steal the glory from God, God will snap that thing back. Oh, you, you want to be the one who, you, you're, you're, oh, look at me. I'm, I'm taking my cross. Hashtag, look at me. I'm a follower of Christ. Hashtag, my cross is heavy. Like, whatever you're doing, like, you want to show yourself and say, look at me. God's going to say, that's not how this thing works. That's not how this thing works. If you thought this whole uh, thing of me coming down here to die on this cross was so that you could walk around and, and be satisfied with your own achievements, then you missed the whole point. You missed the whole point. I, I didn't come to this earth and live life on this earth as a man. I was seated in holy places. I was in the presence of God my whole life. I didn't come down here on earth so that you could have a really cool Facebook status on Monday. Like, I came here so that you could what? Die to yourself, pick up my cross, Jesus' cross, and walk out the life that he has for you. I think we got this whole thing twisted. We think we come to church and we say our prayers, God, but I want this and I need this and more of this and less of this and, and this. And God's like, well, you just spent all of Sunday, what? On you. On I. On me. 
Why? So that in a few years that you can have better achievements in life, a cooler profile, a better padded resume. We've got this whole thing twisted if we think anything's going to achieve a greater seat in heaven because of what you've done here on earth. Jesus came and did it all. He died on the cross so that your resume could be blank. Why? Because you're not boasting about your resume, you're boasting about his resume. What he did on that cross, what he wants to do through your life. It's not about I, it's about him. It's about him. It's all about him. Our songs, like, I absolutely love what the worship team is starting to, to shift some of the songs we're singing because I, he, they've opened up my eyes and, and Emily's eyes. We both had a moment here where we were sitting and we're like, oh, I love this song and I love that song. And, 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 and Zach and Chris were both sitting down. It's like, you read the lyrics. Who are they elevating? Are they elevating us or are they elevating him? I'm not coming to sing really cool songs and have cool lights. Like, we have lights that fall off because they hang off a duct tape. (laughs) Spirit, fall down, and our lights fall down. (laughs) These are on my porch. (laughs) Hashtag church budget. But we're not here to, like, we have these. Yes, these are great. We've got cool things that we set up. but, But what if you came in here next Sunday and nothing was set up? Nothing. No chairs. And let's do it. The setup team's like, please, let's do it. <laughs> we heard you. <laughs> Put your hand down, sound team. <laughs> but like, that's the thing. I think we've got it twisted if we come here and say, well, the coffee wasn't good enough. The greeter wasn't happy. The, 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 the bulletins weren't big enough. I can't hear. I can't see. I can't sit. I can't. I can't. I can't. I can't. Listen. I, I, I. I don't know why you came here. I hope you find another church. <laughs> Because I won't fit into the culture that God's creating here. He is the only thing we're here for. And if he isn't good enough, then this church won't be good enough for you. And that's not church church growth 101. (laughs) But I think we've got this whole thing twisted. And I think here's the thought. And my eyes were open to this. And I was reading in Genesis because God was like, open up your Bible. And when, as a team, we've been really digging in. Our, our goal is to raise some pastors, and we have some pastors in training currently right now. Our goal is to raise some, some heartful people that are just chasing after God. And the challenge is, is I'm like, okay, you're going to read and deep dive study in the Bible for this next year. You're going to get uncomfortable. It's going to be tough. There's going to be things that you're going to do that are going to be way bigger than what you think you can do. And what that, all that is there to do is to make you go, hey, I can't do this, but he can through me. And so we were deep diving, and I opened up in Genesis chapter 3, and, and, and God showed me this, and, and through this thought of, of pride, because if you, if you read the Bible in Proverbs, and, and this is the one verse that I think all of us know, right, Proverbs 16, pride comes what? Before the fall. So the Bible clearly states in your, in your Bible, the word that you want to just read through osmosis, that Bible that you have on, on your bed, that right there, it, it pretty much tells you what pride will do in your life. If you let pride harvest in your life, get ready for the fall. You could pray all you want. Thank you, God. Remove. I don't want to fall. I don't want to do this. And God says, I don't want you to fall either. But you're going to if you don't get rid of pride. You could pray about not falling, but until you pray about removing pride out of your life, fall is going to happen. It's in my word. Your prayers can't contradict the word. But you should write that one down. (laughs) Anytime you want to pray and it contradicts the word, don't blame it on God that it didn't happen. You should have just read the word and known that, hey, if I don't want to fall, maybe I should make sure the pride's not in my life. 
And so I was reading this verse, and this, this jumped out at me. And I've, we've talked about this before during small groups and, and stuff like that. But if, if you think about this, the first thing, the first sin that really happened, the first thing that really caused the, 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 the Satan and the worship leader of heaven in, in a third of the angels to fall was pride. Right? It was Satan thinking to myself, I, I, I'm the one doing all the work. I'm singing all the songs about this guy, and he's just sitting there. I should be the one that gets the glory. I should be the one that does this. I should be the one. And you see how the terminology starts changing? I should be the one. I should do this. I this. And so what happens? And, and this is what caught me, and I've never really noticed this till now. Did, did, you, did you hear that a third of the angels, a third of the angels left with the man dealing with pride? Now, I, I, you might, that might have just went right out of your head. Because uh, how hard is it to deal with pride here? And to not fall. But just think about how hard it's got to be to deal with pride when you're literally in the presence of God, face to face. Read your Bible. People are just begging for God to just pass by him. Moses saw the backside of God. We just, we're begging to see God. These angels are in the presence of God. And because of pride, they decided to leave the presence of God and be cast down to hell. So you think you're too good to fall, pride's already there. Ah, oh, that ain't me. I'm not going to fall. I'm, t- I'm, I'm too Christian. I've been a Christian for 19 years. I've, I'm, just, I'm, I'm a Christian. I've, I've read the Bible five times. I know exactly what you're talking about. Yeah, it's already in there. Because that's the thing. If, 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 if pride can affect somebody who's in the actual presence, face-to-face with God, then I think pride could help hurt us right here, right where we're at. And I was reading this verse in Genesis chapter 3, and this is where Satan gets cast down, and he's literally ushering in the first sin. He's ushering in the first sin. And, 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 and he says this, and I want to give you three, three points. You can write these down. There's a ton more. But three concepts of what, what pride can do in your life. And these are three ways that you can look at, you can observe, you can reflect on. But l- let me just be honest with you. You are going to have time, a hard time spotting pride if it's already in your life. It's going to be really hard. I mean, God can do it. You can pray this prayer and say, God, show me the area of pride. Show me the area where this is cooking. But, but, but really what's going to happen, and this is a very humbling moment, and it's hard, and this is why we have a community of people. What's going to happen is, is when we start talking about this, we're going to actually start to see it in others. We're going to start to see it in the people we do life with. We're going to start to see it. We're like, oh, wow, I didn't realize that. And we've got to be humble enough as a community of people. And I'm not telling you, you go start telling that person, you go tell that. You're prideful in this. What I'm saying is in the, in the confidence of a safe space in a relationship that is earned, we have to be open and humble enough to receive criticism and correction from people we respect and love. And so when we hear things about what pride does and how it affected, and listen, and, and this, this will hurt your pride already, is when someone comes and says, hey, I think you're dealing with this. That that right there is a holy moment. That is a place right there of someone saying, I care more about what's inside of you than this right here. I had, go watch the YouTube page. Me and Nick, my ride or die, besides my wife and family, and I love this kid, right? And we had a moment where we butted heads, and I had to be completely okay with him turning his back and running away. Because I cared more about what's inside of him than our surface relationship. 
And so there's a moment where you're going to butt heads with somebody and, and you're going to maybe have a, a friendship that kind of gets broken up for a moment in time. But I'm telling you, big picture things, the, the pride that's inside of them can ruin a lot more than this moment relationship that you're going to have. And so you got to value what's inside of them more than your relationship on the outside. And so I'm just giving you a heads up. You might have a little headbutt, but I promise you, when you deal with what this is talking about, man, it's going to set you free. And it's going to make a relationship better because our relationship now is better than it's ever been. Why? Because we butted heads before. And now we understand that we're doing this out of love, not out of spite. And so Genesis chapter 3, the first thing that, that pride can do is it starts to challenge authority. Pride, pride will begin to challenge authority. And, and in verse 1 in Genesis chapter 3, it says this. I'll put up on the screen. It says that God, this is Satan talking to Eve. It says this. Did God really say that you can't eat from this tree in the garden? Did God really say that you can't eat from this tree? See, what pride does in your life is it begins to root in and it starts to make you challenge authority. And this is why. Because pride gets into your life and makes you believe that you should be in charge, not the other way around. Pride will get into your life and says, you know what? Your boss, they don't know what you're talking about. You should be the boss. Or slip into church and, yeah, you, you know, you should be the one leading that small group. They don't know what they're talking about. I bet they haven't even read their Bible today. You should be. You woke up early. You've been here, you've been here the longest. You deserve to be this. See, pride starts to challenge authority because it thinks it should be in charge. Do you really think you should eat from that? Did God really say that? And that will happen with your healings. That will happen with moves of God's in your life. You, you feel something in your heart, and God says, man, this is what you got to do. And then the next moment, what happened? Did God really say that? Did God really mean it that way? Maybe that was a pizza dream. Maybe, he, maybe, maybe you shouldn't have watched that movie last night. Or maybe, and, 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 and it just goes so on and so on. Because what? The, the enemy knows that if you grab on to what's talking the loudest, and that's God, and you hold on to his authority, then pride's not even an issue. But in your life, if you got areas where you start, you feel like a buck in authority and you're like, you don't deserve this, then that's pride attaching and attacking things of order. There's an order in your life, whether you like it or not. There are people in charge. There are people, and this is how God runs the earth. This is how the kingdom is set up. And if you feel like you deserve, I deserve because of what I've done, then pride is already set in, in your life. It will challenge authority. The second thing it does, and this one, this one, this, this is just, this just stinks, right? The second thing it does is it distorts truth. This is why you got to learn the word. This is why you can't just make this a really cool just book cover that sits on your Bible desk and makes you look holy, right? This is something you've got to read because what the enemy will do, and let me just tell you this, the enemy knows scripture probably better than everybody in here. And so if you don't hold on to what God says and learn to study that word and know it from the inside out, you're going to hear something from the enemy and you're just not going to be from him. He's going to use, use the words of God to distort things in your life. And so you've got to have a check in your spirit and say, you know what, God, I, I know that sounds like the Bible, but is, is, are they cherry picking out of the word to try to make it fit their agenda? Or is that really, really, really what it means? 
You want to read the word? Don't take my word for it. I, I Please, I'm begging you. Go home. That's why I tell you to write this stuff down. Go home. Read who wrote it, why they wrote it, where they wrote it, who they were writing it to, and then make your assumption if I'm making sense or if I'm just lied to you the whole hour. <laughs> but I'm, I'm, I'm wanting you to do this because I, I promise you, you have to understand what this book means for you. And you got to be able to stand on this because, look, he, he goes on. He goes on to what? Distort the truth. He says, the woman says to the serpent, She's, she's being obedient, right? She says this, we may eat from this tree or we may eat from the trees in this garden, but God did say that you must not eat uh, the fruit from the tree in the middle of the garden and you must not touch it or you will die. And I love this. The enemy says this, you will certainly not die, the serpent said to the woman, for God knows when you eat from this that your eyes will be open and you'll be like God, knowing good and evil. Verse 6, I love this. He says, and when the woman saw the fruit of the tree was good, uh, good for food and pleasing to the eye, and was also desirable for gaining wisdom, she took and ate. She also gave some to her husband. Check this out. Who was with her? Now, listen, I'm giving you next week or next series, we're talking, be mine. We're talking on dating and relationships. We're talking on strong marriages, okay? This is a preview. He was with her. A husband's job, when the two become one, is to be a spiritual leader in their life. And so I, I get this all the time. Ah, if Eve didn't eat the first fruit, we would all be in the presence of God. Like, Eve is the one. Let's all blame Eve. No, why don't we blame Adam? Because he was there. Eve let it happen. Eve could have said, no, 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 hey, listen, I, I have been reading my word. I know what I'm talking about. God did say that we can't eat of this. God did say this. And he could have standed, stood on that word from God and been the spiritual leader in the relationship, the order, and we would have never dealt with this. But because he decided that the couch was too uncomfortable and he didn't want to pipe up, he allowed, what, the enemy to come in and sink all of humanity. So we'll get more into that later, but <laughs> I can see why it's like taking notes even more like, yeah, he was there. Hmm. Can't use that one anymore, husband. <laughs> but I love that statement, right? And I don't know if you caught that. She's, she's saying, I can't eat of this truth. And, and, and what, did, what did Satan say? You surely can. And, and you know, I caught this. And I went back and read this a few times because it says that Eve looked at the fruit and said it was good. And I went back and I want you to go read this. Nowhere in the Bible did Jesus or God ever say that the fruit was bad. Go read it. He didn't say, hey, this is the expired fruit. You don't want to eat this one. Like, you're going to have the runs for the rest of your life. Like, don't eat this one, right? He, he said, this right here is the knowledge of good and evil. And, and, and it's not that it's bad. It's that I want obedience. And so don't eat this. And, he, and what pride did and what deception and lies did was it goes, oh, yeah, this fruit is good to eat. And what happens is it starts to distort truth. And you start to see things and read things that are out of context. And you start to believe things. And you're like, oh, yeah, God does want us to make us like him. I should do this. And before long, you're falling into a trap that the enemy did. Because he took your focus off of God and put it what? On you, on me, on I. I need this. The third thing it does is it begins to shame others. And when this, this, this is very important. And, and listen, if pride's already attacked and planted in your life, what's going to happen is, is it's going to use your insecurities to shame other people. 
So the things that you're struggling with, the things that you're dealing with, the things on the inside that, that make you uncomfortable, you'll cast those insecurities on other people. So you'll begin to shame people in the same area you're weak in. You begin to make fun. You begin to, you know, at least I'm not like that guy, or at least I'm not like this. And, and what's happening is pride has boosted your ego so big, you can't see that you're struggling with the very thing that you're trying to blame someone else for. And so you got to take a step back in your life and say, you know what, is this something that I'm dealing with that I'm trying to cast my insecurities on other people? Because it's going to shame others. He goes on in that text in, in, in verse 7. He says, once they ate of the fruit, they saw that they were naked and they sewed fig leaves together. What the enemy realized is that he was stripped from everything he was in place of. He was the worship leader. He was in the presence of God. He led people into worship, and he was stripped down and sent to heaven, naked, to live a life here on earth. And he go, get, begins to cast his insecurities on you and opened up your eyes and realized, you're naked. You're exposed. He goes on to say when Jesus comes down, he can't even find these people that he's doing life with. And, and, and I love the statement. He goes, who told you you were naked? Who told you this? Shame, pride, guilt, sin, condemnation. That's, that's what told you. And so those insecurities that you're dealing with, those, those struggles that you're dealing with and that you're always blaming other people for, maybe take a look in the mirror and say, does it start with me? Is pride in there? Am I struggling with these same things? And, and, and I, I'm telling you, nine times out of ten, and, and, and I see some of us, we're like looking and, and self-examining our lives because, listen, we all deal with this. At some point, in some levels in our life, in some area, we think we deserve something that Christ has already given us. And we think that if we do good enough, listen, I, I grew up in church, I understand that we come from this thought of if I do more and work more and serve more and not sin anymore that oh, God's going to love me more. No, God said, I died once and for all so that you can live all that out for eternity. It's not about what you can add to the story. The story's done. I finished the chapter. Revelations ends. I come back. We win. Why do you think you're going to add anything to this story? It's completed. It's gone to press. It's already sold out. Why do you think you're going to add anything to it? We got to understand that what God has done is for us to live right here and right now. And not to boast us, but to raise his name above all names. I want to close with this thought. If you were with us last week, we, we really dug down on the topic in Luke 10 about the Good Samaritan. Ooh, that's better. Hot mic. But we really, um, really kind of, and, and I caught this even more in my readings of this, because you ever just been hooked on something God's saying in your life, and it's like you wring out the towel, and then you kind of turn it around, you can still wring more out of it. I, was, I really felt like God was like, there's more in that. Go back. So I went back, and I was, I was reading this story again, and, and, and I kind of I felt bad for a little bit, because I really, really, really made the Levite and the priest, like, really out to be, like, awful people. Okay? <laughs> right? And, and I started, and I was a moment in that reading, I'm like, man, they're awful people. They don't love Jesus. They're awful. They're probably going to hell. Ew. And in and, and, and that moment, like, God, God really spoke to me and said, really? You, you've never done this before? 
You've never been so caught up with you and yourself and I that you missed people. You've never been so consumed with your ego and what you can get out of a message or what you can get out of this that you actually missed the whole point. And I go, ooh, okay. <laughs> I get it. And I started to read this, this, this text, and, 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 and this thought came to my mind of how many times that there's opportunities in our life to help somebody get back up, but we're so focused on me, myself, and I that we miss the person right in front of us. See, we all come, and, and, and Nick, why don't you come up for a second? I, got, I think this is going to set in. A lot better because I can, I can preach this thing a thousand times. I could tell you a hundred times, but I think visually seeing something, this is going to help. Amazon packages for everyone. <laughs> I'm kidding. <laughs> you get a book and you get a book and you get a book. <laughs> exactly. But uh, So I started to think about how pride can slip in because we're at this point now where it's like, okay, how can I make sure that I don't let this happen? And I'm, I'm going to tell you just straight up, there are some times in your life that pride just slips in just because you are so focused on me and I, okay? That's, that's one side of it. We, we, that's some time that we're going to need to pray. We're going to need to, 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 to counsel to get in the word. That, that moment is, is really prying that stuff out. But, but sometimes if we're not really open to how this stuff can slip in, it can slip in in really good intentions. Like pride can come in and, and you, could be, you could be completely going into it with like really good intentions. You know what, I'm going to be the good Samaritan. I'm going to make sure that I'm prepared. I'm going to make sure that I'm ready. I'm going to make sure that I have enough and I do this. And what happens is, is you miss the whole point and you've got really good at preparing you and you've missed the whole point of the gospel. To pick up his cross, not yours. To pick up what he wants to get done that day, not your agenda. And so I, I thought to myself, this is, this is kind of like how we kind of go into it. And, and, and this is a really easy, simple way, right? We, we, we come to church and, and we give our life to Christ and Jesus comes in and he's like, you know what? You're going to live by faith and everything you need's in me. So we pick up our box, our little Jesus box that Amazon dropped off and we're like, thank you, Jesus. You're so great, right? Oh, we get the goosebumps and, and, and God starts moving in our lives and life is great. Right, and then, and then what happens? Life comes. And we've got this thing twisted if we think that this box right here is going to take all the bad things away from the earth. You should read your Bible. It's going to get worse. Okay? And so, so we think that this box right here is just the save all, right? It's the Dora Explorer backpack that everything out of this is just going to come and it's going to save the world, right? <laughs> or the lunchbox. I don't know what it is. I, I have a girl coming, so I'll learn soon. <laughs> But we think this box is just our protect all. It's going to save the day. Jesus, you're going to come in and, and I'm going to get things. And so what happens is, 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 is we go, Jesus, like I've really been praying for that new job. Like job, I need this job. I've come to church. I've been giving. I'm asking you for this career. God, I need this job. I, I, I want this job. I, I, I. And so you, you get that job. Why? Because you wanted it. And then we go, God, you know, I, you know, everybody else is getting married. I want this. I want to get married so bad. So what you do is you go out and you find yourself a spouse. So good. You got yourself a wife. Have fun. <laughs> yeah, you're right. <laughs> now, now you got a wife. 
Just wait till Christmas. <laughs> no, but so then now you got a wife, and now everybody's popping out babies because that's what you do at U Church, right? You worship God, and then you go home and you have babies. <laughs> so now you got kids. Have fun with that one. <laughs> so you 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 are like I need I need I need a better job now. I need I obviously these kids are just they're they're money feeders, right? I just keep shoving another twenty and into their mouths. And so here, now you, now you got that other job. And it's like, now, I, you know, I want a new car and, and I want a new hobby. Is it getting heavy? There are 20-pound weights in here, by the way. And then now you're like, you know what? I got a hobby. Now I want some time for myself. Okay? I, 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 need, I need some me time. And so before long, you went into it with great intentions to serve Jesus, but because you wanted all these things in your life, now look at you. And I'm looking at these, these, look at these disciples, I'm looking at the priest and the Levite in the story, and I can now relate to these people and say, you know what? I see how they missed it. I see how they walked right by the man who needed it the most, and they had no idea how bad he needed it. Because they spent their whole life, I got to go to church, I got to live right, I got to be right, I got to dress right, I got to do things so that I can help the gospel here on earth. Before long, your achievements and your life have stacked so high up in your life that Jesus, yes, is at the foundation of your life, but you don't have anything to do with him because you have done everything yourself. And that pile of your own achievements and your own pride and your own life has stacked up so high, you couldn't see the person right in front of you if you needed to. Because you are so focused on I, myself, if God won't give it to me in my timing, I'll do it myself. And I'm looking at these Levites and this priest, and I'm like, man, you don't even love Jesus. And then I go back and I look at this and I say, you know what? I have done this. I have put things in my life that I thought I needed. I have, yes, went into it with great intentions. Yes, Jesus is it. He's everything I need. But then my wrongdoing and the pride sits in is when I start stacking things on top of it, thinking that these are blessings from God, when really they're just distractions from the main point of this whole story. And I don't know if you've caught it. Put Galatians 2.20 back up on the screen. It says this. It says, I can live by faith, what? In the Son of God. In. What does that mean? That every want and desire and everything that you need is not found in you, in I, in we. It's found in him. And so when you spent your whole life adding all these things to your life, everything you needed was what? In him. Nick, open up that box. This is what I want you to understand today, is that you spent your whole life in search of things that you had in your hand all along. You had your car, you had your, I'll just, I'll help you out because you probably won't be able to read. You had everything, bills, hobbies, wife, agendas, hobbies, everything in your life was already in there, and yet you decided that you were better off doing it your way, that I could figure it out faster, that I'm the one in charge. But I go back and read this, Nick, thanks, man. It says that what? I have been crucified with Christ. It's I who no longer live, but Christ who lives in me. You want to get rid of pride? Stop stacking boxes and focus on what's in him. Listen, I'm telling you, uh, nine times out of ten, 
the people that come with hurt and broken pieces of their life, it's all because they stacked boxes instead of finding it in him. My relationship, my this, well, did God tell you to get married, Lyndon? Did God tell you to have kids? Did God tell you to go through that job? Did God tell you to buy that car? Did God tell you to do that job? Did God God tell you to go to that school? Uh, I I didn't pray about it. Well, there's your first mistake. Because you wanted it, you got it. And now you want God to fix it? You want God to fix the mess that you started? He will. His grace is there. But it requires what? Surrenderance. Nick couldn't get into that box and what? Until he got rid of all the boxes that he put on. You want things to be fixed in your life. Why don't you sacrifice your pride and sacrifice your own wants and your own selfish desires. Pick up your cross and find everything in him. And when that starts, when you stand on that and understand that everything else is good. Everything else, God has a perfect place, a perfect season, a perfect time for all of this. But until you realize that everything you need is in him, you're just going to go around living in pride the rest of your life. Let's bow our heads and stand up, close our eyes, and I'm going to ask the worship team to come up. Please don't do it in that order. You might fall over. I want to see a group of sold-out people for Christ that understand, and I, and I, and I get you. Listen, I, I'm, I'm in this spot in my life, too, where I read that verse and I go, wow, that sounds hard, <laughs> to be crucified with Christ. I think he uses words like that to get your attention, to let you realize the significant part of this whole journey. And it's understanding that it's not about you, it's about him. So he says, hey, listen, I want, you to, I want you to die to self. I want you to die to those desires. I want you to die to your flesh. I want you to pick up your cross. And I want you to put your entire focus on me. And that's hard. It's so hard. It's even harder to do it by yourself. It's even harder to do it alone. But when you're in a community of people, and I'm, I'm, listen to me, I'm saying a community of people. I'm not saying church. I'm not saying with leaders, with pastors. I am saying in a community of people, you don't need church to be a follower of Christ. You could have church at home with your kids and your wife. But if we get to a point where we understand that our biggest focus is to lift Jesus' name up higher than anything else, that's when pride will dry up in your life. It's when you make a daily decision to pick up your, your cross, the cross that he hung on for you, and you remember that every time you pick that up, I should have been on this, but he took it for me. You know what happens? Those selfish desires fade away because you realize He paid a debt that I can never pay. And I owe everything to him. I'll follow him anywhere he goes. Because I couldn't be where I'm at without him. That's King Jesus. That's the man we sing about. That's the man that changed my life. That's the man that's waiting to change yours. That's the man that's waiting and knocking at the door trying to get your attention to say, guess what? 
We're not here for you. We're here for you to get your focus and your attentions off of what you want and put it where they deserve to be, what I want for you. Because the gifts that I have for you, yes, they're everything that's in that box, but there's so much more. And they're perfect, and they're holy, and they're in the right time. And when you plant those in the right season, they will grow. So stop trying to be prideful and stop trying to get in the way of what God's wanting to do. So this is all I want to do. I want to say a simple prayer. And then I want to let God water it. And then I want to see what he can do in us, but especially through us. Because God's not going to do anything just for you. He wants to do it through you. He wants people to see it. He wants people to see that you were once lost. Now you are found. So, Father, we come to you right now, Lord, and we ask you, Lord, to tear our walls down, Father. The walls of pride, the walls of that we can do it better ourselves, or that we have got it all figured out, Lord. I ask you right now to speak to that spirit of pride, and I say it's gone right now, Lord that it has no place in our lives, Father. It has no way to, to come against the authority of God. It has no ability to distort truth, and it especially can't shame us into doing anything. So we speak to you right now. And we say, Father, fill us. Fill us so full of you, Lord, that there is no room for pride. That there's no room for desires of the flesh or desires of what we want, Father. It's all about you. So, Father, break our walls down in our lives, Father. Break our hearts, Father, to be mended with your heart, Father. Flow through us, Lord. Speak to us, Lord, right now. Speak to our hearts, Father. It's all about you, Lord. It's all about you, Lord. It's all about you, God.
So, Father, we come to you right now, Lord. Lord, we ask you to do that, to tear our walls down, Lord. Tear the walls down of pride. Tear the walls down of shame. Tear the walls down of anything that we've put up to block what you want to do in us and through us, Lord. Lord, we pray that all distractions in our life must go, Father, so that there's more of you, so that we can respond quickly to what you want to do in our lives, Lord. That's all we want, Lord, is to respond to what you're doing. So, Father, I pray that you change our heart to seek after yours, not ours. And that you put into us, Father, what you want this generation and this world to see. Father, that you can use us, Father, not to promote us or our agenda, but to promote you through us, Lord. To bring the kingdom that's here, Father, but bring it to the eyes of the people who don't know that, Lord. Use us. Father, we just thank you for that, Lord. With everybody head bowed and every eye closed, and if you're watching here on Facebook or if you're watching this on a later date through any of our platforms, or maybe you're in here today, you haven't sold out your heart and your life to Christ. God's been knocking. He set this time and this place right here and right now for you to encounter the presence of God that you could be forever changed, that you could be changed from the inside out so that you can help show people what the kingdom of God is like. So maybe you're in here today and that's you. You've not made Jesus your Lord and your Savior. Maybe you've said, you know what, forget this thing and I'm out. And God's telling you, you got to come back. I've got so much for you. Maybe you've never made that decision in your entire life. What I want to do is I want to pray with you. And if that's you today, I want you to make eye contact with me and raise your hand. And if you're watching on Facebook, we've got people in the chat right now that will pray with you, that will reach out to you. Maybe you're watching on a later date. You can email us at info at you.church so that we can get things in your hands so that you continue this walk with Christ because it doesn't stop with a simple prayer. It's a lifestyle change. That doesn't happen overnight. It happens through discipleship. So if you're watching this and you want to make this prayer, I, I ask you, let's all say this together out loud. Say, Father, Father come, into my life. come into my life. I repent. I, repent. I turn, away. turn away. I want to live every day for you. Come into my heart. Change me. In your name we pray. Amen. 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 God, I thank you for those hands. I pray that you heart change their lives right now, Lord. I thank you that every decision and every passion comes from you and you alone, Lord. Father, we love you and we thank you. In your name we pray. If the message impacted you in any way, we'd love to hear about it. Send us an email at info at Also, if you need prayer about anything, we'd love to pray with you. We have a team sitting, waiting to pray with you. Click that link below at u.church forward slash prayer to submit your prayer requests. But finally, we'd love to connect with you. Hit the subscribe button right below so that we can learn and do life together and so we can stay connected.